0: And three, and two, and one, and good evening, everybody out there in Out There Land. Uh, How you doing? I'm Tony Visick. You know what tonight is? You know what tonight is? Okay, tonight is uh, starting late night. That's what it is. Because we were going to start at 7 o'clock, and uh, I fiddle-faddled around. So as I'm speaking to you right now, Shirley is setting up the uh, Comedy School's YouTube channel and the uh, uh, internet-based radio station, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. So in a moment, we're going to have three ways for you to access us. There'll actually be uh, two different shots. You can see us here. Of course, Brian Ficken, how are you? You can see us here on Facebook Live. And in a moment, you'll be able to see a wider shot on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. David, John, there you are. People are starting to join in. I apologize for coming in late. Uh, This is something that we call Living on a Thin Line. And we have been doing it uh, since the... um, since the uh, uh, crisis started almost every, I think every day. We've done it every day uh, since the crisis started at 2 p.m. At 2 p.m. I got a smile for the thumbnail. Hold on. There we go. And yeah. All right. We got the thumbnail on uh, YouTube Live. Uh, if you want to watch on YouTube, it's, uh, it's the Comedy Schools channel. So it's going to give you, we got to get a, uh, she's got to press a little go live button there. And then we'll be rocking and rolling there. Jerry Visick is watching. My cousin Mimi, you're on it. You're on it. Press the button. Press the button. There we go. And now we are going live on YouTube as well. There's Lily. Howdy, everybody. Say hi. I want everybody begin to say hi to everybody. You got cousin Mimi. You got David John. My brother Jerry. Cousin. Uh, let's see. Lily, my brother's uh, girlfriend. John Griggs. John Griggs, local Phoenix comedian, has joined us. Fantastic. We're going to get more and more people on here uh we're going to have a good time tonight uh how i don't what i'm going to do differently that's what Shirley said we going to do differently and i went i don't know if i've really got anything different to do yet those you're watching uh, on youtube can see off here on my left hand side though some of the uh bobbleheads uh there's Brian Horan hello Brian love you very much um you want to tell your friends and neighbors and pals about this hey man how you doing uh, Brian uh this is the way we're all going to stay connected and cool and calm and collected As we're going through um, this kind of crazy and interesting time, we've kind of made it through uh, the first week of, uh, for what is, for almost all of us, has been a, uh, uh, maybe, I don't know if it's maybe two weeks now, of uh, uh, Candy Clark is watching, so cool that Candy Clark is watching. Candy Clark, who was in uh, American Graffiti and is a Facebook friend of mine, she is here, We've now gone through uh, close to a couple of weeks, which is a a life-altering experience, and um, I think uh, all of us are doing uh, pretty darn well. People ask me how we're coping with it because uh, it can cause a lot of uh, weirdness, and I'm not an expert in anything. All I am is a a guy right now, um, I'm a comic, I I teach stand-up comedy primarily, that has been my gig for the last 20 years, producing and promoting shows and helping Develop comedic artists, helping people find their comedic voice, uh, teaching a real, uh, 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 Candy Clark says, uh, not that cool, just checking in. Well, uh, Candy, you know what? We're checking in with you and you stay checked in with us, all right? Uh, we're all going to make, uh, make it through here. So I'm not an expert on anything, but I'll tell you one of the things that is going on with me that is helping a lot. So I'll just kind of share this with you. I'm trying to keep this particular show, uh, kind of light and fun. I'm trying to keep uh, uh, the shows we're doing, the living on, the th- living on a thin line shows as uh, kind of light as possible. Uh, everything's kind of heavy around us right now and everybody's worried and uh, everybody's uh, uh, at least a little scared uh, and I hope you're all healthy. That is the main thing. So how am I handling it? Uh, and, and I'm just going to tell you what I'm doing, okay? and then you can, uh, you can tell us how you're doing it as well. All right. Um, 35 years ago, um, in March of 1985, I got clean and sober through uh, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Anybody who knows me as an early sponsor, mine used to say, uh, he goes, well, I wasn't very sponsored. I wasn't very anonymous when I was out there drinking. And I learned a lot through that program that not only helps you stop drinking, but has helped me live. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm doing is I'm just living a day at a time. One day at a time. The only thing that matters right now is today. I can't, um, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. There's an old saying, and the saying is, um, um, yesterday's history and tomorrow is a mystery. So what we're doing right now, we're just living a day, t- a day at a time. And you know what? We've all, we've all done the Saturday. We've all done the Saturday. So we're making it through this particular Saturday just a day at a time. I can't project into the future. When this first happened, OK, I did. I, uh, I projected in the future in a uh, in a horrific way. And I had uh, a few sleepless light, uh, nights. Hello. Uh, hello there, Tina and Mike Lawson. Uh, good to see you guys. Um, uh, that's right. You are an old friend. So I was projecting a lot. Um, I, I'm still keeping myself together by doing the things that I have to do. Oddly enough, for a lot of us, For a lot of us, there is now a lack of activity, but then for a lot of us, there's even more activity. People I know who are teachers, who uh, for years had been uh, going to a classroom and then speaking live, now have to teach on um, social media apps or through webinars, and uh, the upload in learning how to do that and the upload in setting all that up has been quite tremendous, and for some people, they're working twice as much. Uh, Jim Leeson says, rock on, Tony, here to enjoy tonight's fiesta with you. So just go a day at a time. That's all. Just live for today. There are things you have to do. I still had to do my taxes. <coughs> you know? Uh, there, was a, um, there was a desire just to chuck everything and go, I'm not doing anything until this is over. And then I could just say, because of this. And uh, some things are going by the wayside as far as the level of importance. But I uh, did do my income taxes. Uh, I had to deliver them to my, uh, uh, my income tax uh, person. I delivered them. She came outside. We stood there and talked for a while. And uh, today she called me up and told me uh, what's what. It's going to be okay. So there is paperwork to do. I'm hearing that, uh, and this is important for anybody who's a comic, that even uh, in the current with the current law, if you are a gig worker or an independent contractor and have not paid into unemployment insurance, there is a special thing set up where uh, you and I may be able to collect unemployment insurance if we find ourselves not working. Lon Simmons is here. Lon Simmons, uh, one of the, I had two all-time favorite high school teachers who uh, taught me a lot about uh, life and laughter and how to live. One of them is with us right now, Lon Simmons. The other was Peggy Cochran. We're waiting to see if Peggy joins us. Uh, both, uh, I think Lon, Lon yeah, they both live uh, in the St. Louis area, and I was blessed, blessed, I tell you, blessed to see uh, both of them just a few months ago when I went to St. Louis and did a show. I'm supposed to go to uh, St. Louis the first week of April. Obviously, that is uh, um, finished. We're not going to, we've postponed it. We won't be in St. Louis in the first week of April, but the first opportunity we have to go there, we are going. Okay, Chris Boardman is watching. Chris, uh, who was in our workshops for a while, a while back, and he's a great guy. So, a day at a time, still take care of the things you have to take care of. I know sometimes it's hard just to even get up and. Uh, uh, sit down at a desk, you know, and move forward. But that's what we're all doing right now. We are all in this together. I have been through things in my life. You have been through things in your life. We've been through difficult times. I've gone through going completely flat broke and not know where my next meal was going to come from, you know, while being a father, you know, as a parent. I've gone flat broke and not knowing where my next meal was going to come from. And somehow that next meal showed up. So uh, this time it's all of us in that same situation. Not that we, we're not going to know where the next meal is coming from, but all of us uh, uh, having to face a, a major crisis in our life together. So that's kind of the cool thing, that we're all facing a major crisis in our life together. So day at a time. Uh, today is Saturday. We're going to do Saturday. That's it. Just Saturday. Then we're going to go to sleep, and we get up, it's going to be Sunday, and we're going to do Sunday, and we're going to make it through. Um, Brian Haran said, so I have to watch your VHS from the improv again? <laughs> Man, if, do you have a copy of that, Brian? Do you have a copy of me uh, doing Evening at the Improv? Um, I didn't do a lot of television. I don't know if I was a good comic or a bad comic. Uh, I worked a lot. You know, I think I worked a lot because I would work anywhere. Uh, I wasn't picky because that was how I was supporting my family in those days. You know, and if they called me up and said there was a hundred bucks nailed to a bar in Sausalito, I hopped in a car and drove to Sausalito and told jokes for 45 minutes. But uh, I did uh, some evening get the improvs. I did some uh, Showtime, MTV, a Comedy Central thing. Uh, so, Brian, if you can find that. Oh, God, that would be so cool. Uh, he said, best father. Thank you, Brian, for saying that. Uh, been in touch with my daughter, Alicia? who's in Los Angeles, is, our, is my uh, dear, dear brother, Jerry, and his wonderful kids, uh, Evan and Alexandra, and of course, his uh, girlfriend, uh, Lilia. Uh, Nan has everything, so I don't know, um, you can check it out, I guess, when the time is right. So what have I been doing all week, um, here on the show? Okay, I'm talking to you, I'm looking for your questions, I'm looking for your comments, I wanna hear what you got to say, I'll answer any question you ask that is a reasonable question, we were talking about funny things. We've been talking about serious things, uh, but mostly fun and funny things. Uh, I'm going to do a nicotine lozenge right now. I want to show that to you. That, ladies and gentlemen, right there. That's the last drug uh, besides the prescriptions that got me on that I'm doing. The only thing I haven't been able to quit with a, uh, a program or a, or a higher power has been nicotine. As uh, my dear friend Bill Hicks used to say, they said he said there was a study that said, that nicotine was as addictive as heroin. Great, I'm 0 for 2. So um, that was a Bill Hicks voice. Shirley kind of looked at me for a second, like, what the hell happened to your voice? That was me imitating Bill Hicks. Bill had kind of a voice like this, this is the way he talked. Doug McCraw is watching, the uh, old-time comedy buddy from back in the Midwest in Oklahoma City days, uh, and now uh, and then club owner and of course uh, a hypnotist extraordinaire. Doug McCraw is on. Doug, how are you? Uh, 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 says hi to Shirley. She waved to Shirley. All right. So, uh, Shirley is my wife. Lily is my brother's, um, girlfriend and, uh, they are now communicating here. I think she says hi. I think that's fantastic. We're getting a lot of love buttons. That's great. What have I been doing all week? I've been showing people silly things. We've been talking uh knickknack, pediwack, give a dog a bone stuff, just silly stuff. And, uh, the first thing I thought, I thought would be goofy is to show people bobbleheads. So, uh, here is an L.A. Dodger bobblehead. okay. And if you're on YouTube, you're going to be able to see all these lined up. It's a guy named Brian Wilson. I don't know a goddamn thing about Brian Wilson. I just know that this is a cool bobblehead because of the beard. I don't know if you guys can see it there on Facebook Live. It's like a full uh, furry beard thing, and then it's like a, a a beard tail. It's a beard tail, like a ponytail. And that, that's what makes it a cool bobblehead. Uh, it doesn't really bobble that well. The other cool bobbleheads that we have that we've been showing you all week, we kind of do a recap in a week. That's Curly. Curly from the Three Stooges. Uh, we talked about the Three Stooges earlier in the week because uh, we talked about how uh, my parents and many parents throughout America banned their children from watching the Three Stooges uh, because we all would poke each other in the eye. My brother Jerry said we finally got banned from watching it because we were hitting each other in the head with hammers. Um, uh, Jerry says they got to walk Frankie, but, uh, but he'll keep it on. That's fantastic. My brother's out walking his dog. I walked mine today. Uh, we got two dogs here, Roscoe and Chica. They both are taken outside and take it for a little walk every day. Uh, that helps us keep it together. You know, If you got like a goldfish or something, then just kind of pick up your goldfish bowl and just kind of walk around the room with it and walk your goldfish. Do I have any cardinal bobbleheads? My cousin Mimi asks. I do not. Uh, we're not going to be showing you bobbleheads very soon because we don't have that many, but we have a lot of, a lot of other cool collectibles we're going to show you and talk to you about. Uh, here is, uh, look at that, that's James Dean. Now, that's kind of a rare and cool one that uh, I was, at one point, it was worth $50. I don't know what the hell they're worth now, uh, but that's a James Dean bobblehead. They're fun, you just kind of bounce them on the head and they move around. And Larry from the Three Stooges. So we had Curly and we had Larry, and we got four cool bobbleheads there that we showed you. We've also been talking a lot of music. Uh, We've been suggesting uh, record albums to listen to, a kind of recap, and uh, show you a new one tonight. We kind of recapped uh, that you you can find these things on YouTube and either discover new music, uh, or um, uh, if you've listened to it at one time and now no longer listen to it, go back and revisit it. The first thing we showed you was uh, Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks. There's that album. It's got really cool uh, album cover art on it. Uh, Great songs from him and the band, a group called The Band, when they were his backup band. We showed you a, and some of these albums are a little offbeat. They're not like the huge hit that the uh, uh, artist had. It's Jethro Tull,
1: Jethro Tull, Benefit,
0: okay, right before their big hit album, uh, Aqualung. Uh, and uh, here's another one to show you here. Uh, and this is <laughs> Iron Butterfly. Iron Butterfly, In a Gata De Vida, uh, the mother of all uh, album, uh, the entire side two of that album was the song In a Gata De Vida, and that was a uh, kind of a first for rock and roll. Here's the weird thing about rock and roll, the idea of uh, extended songs with extended solos, was quite common in jazz. Brian Aran says Bob Dylan is a hack. Brian, we're going to respectfully disagree. Um, was quite common in jazz to take a song, uh, even if it was like kind of like a pop ish song, like these are a few of my favorite things. Something like that. And then for a jazz combo or a jazz trio or even a jazz quintet to uh, play the song and start out with. Uh, uh the regular tune and then improvise off of it and then break down till everyone uh, was doing a solo that the uh, uh, the bass player was doing a solo the lead guitar player was doing a solo the rhythm guitar player the drummer the organ they all played a solo went into a wild improvisational thing and then came back into the song that was real common in jazz but those of us that were kids back in the 60s didn't know that. And when uh, 60s bands like Iron Butterfly decided to do an extended 17-minute song on an album and do that where everybody got a solo, we just thought that was amazing. Uh, a band named Canned Heat did it as well with something called the Canned Heat Boogie. So uh, let's see. Uh, the Lawsons ask, have you got a Trump bobblehead to rip the head off of? I, I do not. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brian says, uh, Brian Rand says, I mean, I prefer the Wilburys. Yeah, Bob Dylan was in a band called the uh, Traveling Wilburys, uh, which was kind of a super group where they all gave themselves fake names and pretended like they were a real band. And it was uh, Bob Dylan and Tom Petty and George Harrison and Jeff Lynn and Roy Orbison. And they put out uh, two incredible, uh, I say albums, but by that time, it was pretty much CDs of music, Traveling uh, Vil- Wilburys, I believe, Volume 1 and Traveling Wilburys, Volume 2. Both of which I believe I uh, still have on CD somewhere. We might get into CDs later on this week as well. But the uh, album I was holding on for you tonight, the album I was holding on for you tonight, so far most of the stuff I've showed you have been uh, 60s and 70s rock, stuff that came out when I was a teenager. All right? We, uh, we, and that's almost exclusively where we've been. It wasn't the plan. We didn't sit down and go, all right, hey, Lori Crawford, We didn't sit down and say, let's do a show where we show uh, an album from the 60s and then talk about it. It was just one of the things that we were doing to have something to talk about. So we decided to go with two albums a show, and we'll continue to do that. And by the way, this show, it will be on every day at 2 p.m., seven days a week until we avert the crisis. And then I'll start making this Saturday night show something a little more special and a little more different. Uh, as we move forward, but every day at 2 p.m., then Saturdays at 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. So you can count on that. Uh, My wife just looked at me like, what? Uh, That is the plan with this show. We need to have have reasons. We need to go, oh, this is what I do at this time. This is what I do at that time. We need to have those reasons, Uh, things that are routines. You know, oh, I go here at this time. Oh, I do that at that time. And that's what we're building here uh, for us and you. This is not our show, this is your show. Also, um, like I said, uh, um, uh, we're gonna it's as much to help keep us together as it is to maybe help keep you together. The album I'm gonna show you now, okay, and then we're gonna get into some topics. Um, the album I'm going to show you now. Uh, is not from when I was young. Uh, it's from when I was young, but not from uh, my high school years, my formative years. That's the music you love. I used to do a joke where I said, um, uh, The music you love that was, was the music it was playing when you were young, uh, when you were doing some of the first things in your life. He said, It doesn't make any difference if that music is good or bad. It doesn't make any music. The music was terrible. It was the music that was around when you were first doing this and first doing that. Boom. It's always going to be special to you, okay? But if you were like me and the first time you ever made love on the radio, they were playing me and you and the dog named Boo, you're kind of fucked. So uh, <laughs> so that's what matters is when you were young and it was so exciting and new and, and music was important and music is still important. And music is good for your soul, but as far as what you like. Now, this album I'm going to show you now came out when I was in my um, 20s and I was not... Um, uh, seventh grade, they say. seventh grade is when uh, Brian Horan says the seventh grade is the mu- when the music that you um, uh, the music is the most important. Uh, that kind of makes sense. I guess it does, okay um, but the album I'm gonna show you now came out when I was in my late 20s, late 20s uh, and I was uh, I liked the music, but it wasn't like, oh my God, this is the band. It was like I ran out and bought their albums and everything. But you listened to them a lot. They were all over the airwaves when this stuff, when their stuff came out. As a matter of fact, they were one of the first MTV hit bands, first hit bands on MTV. Uh, and uh, later on, I became very good friends with one of the musicians in the band, which I thought was odd. I didn't become friends with a bass player from the Grateful Dead, or uh, you know, the drummer from uh, the Allman Brothers band, or anything like that. But I been really good friends with the bass player from his band, and here and I got an autographed copy of this album, and here it is. Duran Duran, you see that? Duran Duran. Okay. So uh, I became friends with John Taylor. You can see possibly on the YouTube video. You can see the um, you can see the uh, autograph. I don't know if you can make it out well on uh, on the Facebook page. Uh, it says, uh, to Tony, my friend, uh, good luck always. Uh, and it's, uh, uh John Taylor. And I also have on it a, um, um, oh yeah. Uh, February 26th, 2005. There's a, uh, you can see on there, you see that little sticker. That was my uh, backstage pass. I actually took my daughter to see uh, Duran Duran in 2005 at Staples Center. So, um, Lori Crawford says, I remember watching you in your basement with your basement band. That's true, that's true. So Lori, are you talking about the actual band that I I was in for a brief period of time or are you talking about when uh, Jerry and I would just sit down in the basement and I'd bang on a little drum set and he had a guitar? I don't, because there's uh, two incarnations of my basement band as a young kid. And one was uh, uh, just Jerry. Jerry and I, when we were little kids, And Jerry, you're still watching, you remember this. Um, Jerry sent away for like a $12 guitar, and I sent away for like a $50 drum set, and they were both tiny. They were like half size. You know, it's like where you're looking at it, you're looking at Jack Jack Garfield's watching, James Noonan, Jack Garfield uh, living in Palm Springs, Kelly Wilson watching. Oh, Lori, Jerry and I. And uh, Jerry had this little guitar, and I had this little half size drum set. They were an actual electric guitar, and an actual drum set, but they were like, they were like uh, three-quarter size. But you sent away for them, I mean, your kids, your poor kids in Missouri, and you save up and go, I'm going to send away and get an electric guitar. I'm going to be a rock and roll star. I'm going to be a drummer. I can play drums, man. So uh, we sent away for them, and Jerry and I would sit down in our basement at my parents' house in House Springs, Missouri, which was built up high on a hill, and uh, a home that I now miss dearly. A place that at one time I couldn't wait to get away from, and uh, that I now miss dearly. Uh, and uh, we didn't even have microphones, but my mom had these old stand-up lamps. They, they had these old stand-up lamps, like really tall lamps. You know, you still got some around your house maybe, and they had like a light hanging off of them, and we set them up, and they were fake microphones so that we were singing into something. I don't even remember what songs we played, but uh, um, that was uh, that was our basement band, and uh, my cousin Lori said she'd bring all of her girlfriends with me, yeah, yeah, that was uh that was quite a youth that we had there. Uh, anyway, I showed you these uh, uh Jack Garfield says you're a fascinating storyteller, Tony. Thank you, Jack, for saying so. I appreciate that so very much. Uh I want to tell stories with you. I want to uh have fun uh have fun with you. We uh had some fun this week. Earlier in the week we uh spoke about what actually constitutes a sandwich. And there was a big debate um uh Fringe and stuff on the shades. No, it wasn't that kind. We would just take those off. Yeah, we would take those off. We played Beatles songs. I, I don't remember playing Beatles songs, but uh, I believe you. I believe you. I never thought that I was a good enough musician to. Uh, well, I wasn't a good enough musician to play Beatles songs. But uh, I'm trying to remember what Jerry and I would kind of. I was in a uh, little band in the late '60s with some guys, and we would get hired for fifty bucks to play in people's basements for a short period of time. And we played, um, we played Steppenwolf, uh, we, played, uh, we played Iron Butterfly, we played the Bee Gees, we played the Chamber Brothers, we played Creedence Clearwater Revival, Led Zeppelin. So uh, those, were, uh, those were some fun times. I remember playing those songs. I'll tell you a funny story. You wanna hear a funny story? Of course you do. Of course you wanna hear a funny story. Um, and here's the funny story. Um, the little band I was in Okay, the little pickup band, and it was, um, I believe, uh, two guitarists. Uh, uh, no, a guitarist, a bass player, a lead singer, and me. I think it was four guys. We got hired to play a wedding reception uh, in High Ridge, Missouri. And I think, I want to say we still got our usual 50 bucks. We might have got paid more. So it was, uh, it was as, as uh, Chuck Berry says in "Say La Vie, It was a teenage wedding and the old folks wished them well. So it was two people who were in high school with us, those of us in the band, but they were like seniors and we were all freshmen and sophomores. So this is around 1969. We get hired to play the wedding reception. Kind of sight and sound unseen because we were affordable. As I understand it, the wedding had to be kind of thrown together uh, quickly. And they were country folks. So, you know, you can make fun of them and say they're hillbillies. You can say they're rednecks. But why do that? Why rip into anybody right now? Okay? Right now, it's about building each other up. Okay? Um, Lord, my cousin Lori says, I remember, in a got Vita or whatever her name, the name was. Yeah, that was the album I showed you, the Iron Butterfly album. Yes, Jerry and I did play that in the basement. We could play that because I could play that on the drums. Anyway, with my band, we play a Wedding Reception in High Ridge, Missouri. And it's pretty much country folks and uh, poor, you know, not a lot of money, but still want to put on a, a wedding reception for these two kids who had gotten married. And we in my band played a song called The Pusher by Steppenwolf. And the riff went Dang, t-dang, d-dang, t-dang, d-dang, t-dang, like that. And the song was infamous for its cursing because the, the song was written by a guy named Hoyt Axton, who had later on wrote Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog and many other songs for Three Dog Night and a lot of happy songs. Uh, Arthur Belkine says you're still affordable. As are you, Arthur. Um, so, uh, um, yet yeah, Arthur, no one's buying. Um, anyway, uh, the song had been written by Hoyt Axton, like I said, who uh, later on wrote Jeremiah Is a, a Bullfrog and Mama Told Me Not to Come, songs like that. But he'd written a song for Steppenwolf called The Pusher, and it had that riff, but a pretty cool riff. And uh, it was a song about how evil drug dealers were. And uh, the riff, it kind of went, you know, you know, I've smoked a lot of grass. Bloke. And then he went, God damn, God damn, the pusher man. I said, God damn, and that was controversial to say that word on the radio. I think some FM stations did it. It was when it started a whole long chain of events, along with George Carlin uh, going to the Supreme Court over his uh, the seven words you can and can't say on television, what could be played and couldn't be played uh, on the radio, on FM radio. But uh, we liked the song because they said, God damn it. But it, it was kind of a slow slow riff. I'm going to kind of do it for you again. I apologize. Don't mean to hurt your ears. It was... Dun, 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 dun. that's how it went and it was the slowest song that my band knew it was the slowest song that my band knew you know we were playing like communication breakdown uh, by led zeppelin and uh, songs like that and they were all like fast rock songs stuff that young people like fast rock hard so as we began to play the father of the bride i believe came over to us, and the weird thing was on that song, I didn't play the drums, the singer played the drums and I sang the song, I know it's hard to believe when you hear my voice right now, Um, and probably was hard to believe then as well, but uh, I I did have more than a uh, a half octave range when I was uh, 13 years old. It's great, we're 13, we're playing a wedding reception, we're getting beers, I'm sitting behind, I'm sitting behind my drum set with a six pack of beer, we're drinking. You could smoke inside. I got a cigarette hanging in my mouth. I'm playing the drums. <laughs> you know, grabbing a beer. You know, uh, we were in uh, we were in teenage heaven. You know, we're the band at a wedding reception. Um, anyway, so we do our little thing, which we thought was cool, which was uh, it was like one of the things the band did. Kind of, it was, it was like I don't know, like young guys go and then we'll do a somersault while we're singing, which sounded totally stupid till the uh, uh, new kids in the block did it and uh, made a fortune. So uh, all of a sudden, that song, I would jump up from the drums, and the singer would run behind and sit down on my drum set, and we'd kick into the pusher. Kick into the pusher. And as we're playing it, the father of the bride comes over to me and goes, you boys just keep playing this song over and over and over and over and over. It's going to be the wedding dance. And even at 13, I'm going, that, that's a little weird. But um, I go, okay, okay. So then the couple goes out there, and this was one of those things where people came out and like, taped money on the bride you know that that was the um that was the uh, custom for this particular uh, indigenous group of folks it's a custom with a lot of people uh, i used to joke around and say but these people are so poor they were taping quarters to her um so they're dancing their wedding dance people are coming over and either putting money in her purse or taping it on her as i'm going I said goddamn goddamn to put your man uh, uh. I think at one point the father came over and said, don't don't sing the words, just keep doing the song. But um, I hope that that couple is still married today. and I hope that that couple has had a wonderful life from that those years in 1969 or 1970 up till now. I've hoped they've I hope they've had children and grandchildren. And they've had this entire wonderful life. And I hope that when they look back, that when they look back at their wedding, that they remember that as well. That they remember. And they can look back and laugh and go, and you know what? And then for a wedding dance, they had some band. wasn't very good. Just a bunch of kids banging on guitars and drums that they played uh, the pusher. <laughs> that was our wedding dance. I hope they have that memory because it is a fond memory for me. Okay? And it's, it's not a knock on anyone. Okay? So uh, we've been talking music a little bit. I told you that story. Uh, Also, what we were talking about this week, along with uh, telling stories, was we had a couple of uh, uh, debates and questions, and one was, is a hot dog a sandwich? And if you guys want to talk about that, we could talk about that as well. Um, Shirley says no. All right. So, Cheryl, what do you think we should talk about then? Okay, Shirley says no, but not about sandwiches. So uh, we also talked about, uh, have you ever drank pickle juice? Cheryl, may we speak about pickle juice? She, uh, she shrugs her uh, shoulders at that. If you have a topic, man, you want to talk about, I just told you my story of being a drummer uh, in high school in a band uh, at a wedding reception where we played the pusher as the wedding dance. I'm looking to see if you guys got any ideas for stories here, anything you want to talk about at all. People are popping on and people are popping off. Uh, A lot of people say that's all I'm doing right now is uh, popping off. I'm just going on and on. Uh, But uh, that's what we're doing here, okay? And I've got a dog who I think is hungry. So uh, you can hear that. And if you're watching on YouTube, you you can't see her, but you can see me petting her. I don't know what she's up to, but she has decided to... uh, This dog's name is Chica, and I'm going to find a way to bring her on next show so you can see her. She's Chica the dog, and I like to call her eight pounds of fun. I hope you have... um, I hope maybe you got an animal in your life. We don't have any children here with us. And, of course, that would probably be an um, interesting interesting conundrum right now. The, the, <laughs> Chica just tried to jump up on a chair and then slipped off. Oh, my goodness. I wish I would have had that in video. That was just cute as a button. Um, I, for instance, uh, uh, Shirley's daughters, uh, uh, Steffi and Amy, both have their children with them. Stephanie, of course, our grandson, Sullivan, and Amy, our, our granddaughter, uh, Selma. Um, and so they have their kids home with them full-time right now and probably will for the foreseeable future. And it's a blessing because during, um, during I don't know, Cheryl, can you just kind of bring her over if you don't want to get in the shot and just kind of get Chica in the shot a little bit so people can see her at least on YouTube, okay? Um I don't know if you can get her all the way over here on Facebook, but at least bring her in the shot. Uh, Chica, that is the dog's name, okay? Uh, she's a little feisty right now. So here comes Shirley with Chica on YouTube. There she is on YouTube. Let me see her for a second, if I can hold her, if I can get a hold of her. Uh, I got her. And there she is on Facebook Live. That is Chica, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to put her back now. That's it. She's uh, oh, hold it, hold it, hold it. You got my – <laughs> Chica had just caught my uh, microphone wire. Um, I call her uh, eight pounds of fun. I think she weighs a little more than eight pounds right now. But before I got Roscoe, I used to walk her every day. Uh, Here I am, me, looking at the way I am. And uh, Shirley and I start living together, and she brings Chica with her. And I'm walking, I'm walking a little eight-pound chihuahua uh, on a pink leash through this neighborhood. And people just look at me, I'd be like, what? What are you looking at? Okay. But she, um, um. Through uh, what was some tough times for me back in 2000. What's that? She's 10 pounds now. 10 pounds of fun. Uh, Jim Perry said, I just finished the Tiger King series. Is someone please rescue me or shoot me, LOL. Um, yeah, I, you know what? Um, I don't know if we're going to watch that right away. I've heard, for me, the exciting news is that um, uh, Ozark has just released season three. So we might begin to delve into that tonight. What series have you guys watched? That you didn't make it all the way through. Like for us, it's going to be Hunters with Al Pacino and Amazon, which showed so much promise, but just kind of fell apart. Uh, by uh, for me, because I, I really wanted to give it, I really wanted to give it uh, uh, the benefit of the doubt. Um, just kind of fell apart by episode four. I just it just did not hold my interest. But uh, Ozark, the first two seasons held our interest very very much, and um, uh, we're gonna watch season three. Jim Perry says Ozark is awesome. Uh, Kelly Wilson says TWD. I don't know what TWD is, Kelly. You're gonna have to spell it out for me. Uh, Lori, uh, my cousin Lori says she's gonna watch Ozark tonight. Uh, Jim Perry says we're rewatching Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. Gonna do that. Gonna do that for sure. Gonna do that. Um, uh, cousin Lori didn't like Hunters. Um, neither did I. You know, like I said, lost interest in it. Uh, for Brian Rand says for us it's Ozark so far so Ozark seems to be the consensus of a new series that is out right now are uh, a new batch of shows that we're all going to be able to take a look at so um, anyway I used to I think I, before I got uh, ran off on that I was telling you about how I used to work uh, an eight pound chihuahua on a pink leash through this neighborhood and uh, she and I uh, bonded ever since uh, I hope that you if you have children if you have family that you're with your family I really do, okay? And that you're pulling together. And that you're pulling together. The main thing is, whomever you're with, that you guys pull together, all right? Pull together. Help one another out, all right? Be a contributor. Don't be a detractor. Uh, Kelly Wilson says, The Walking Dead. Yeah, you know what? Uh, kind of not interested in that right now, but uh, I get it. I And I have a former student of mine is on The Walking Dead, and we're very proud of him and happy that he got the... Um, Got the gig. He's been on several years now. Josh McDermott, who plays Eugene on The Walking Dead, started out in our stand-up comedy workshops right here in Phoenix. Uh, first time on stage, was with us. Uh, and from, uh, from uh, from, uh, from uh, he was a great, uh, very hard-working uh, comedy student who became very funny, worked very hard at it, and then uh, became one of the people uh, on uh, Last Comic Standing early on. Didn't make it very far in the series, and that was when the series' last comic standing would have them all living in a house, that sort of thing. But from that, he um, he got uh, an agent, and with that agent, he began to get commercials, and he took acting classes in Los Angeles, and improv classes, and he ended up on a uh, TV series on um, not We TV, uh, like this. It's not the Nostalgia Channel. Anyway, he did a show called uh, Retired at 35 which is about a kid who goes broke and goes and lives with his parents in Florida, or an adult who goes broke, and Josh McDermott played the zany best friend. And from there, he got on The Walking Dead. So we think it's pretty cool that a guy who started out with us in a little tiny comedy workshop in Phoenix then went on to be on what is one of the, um, the most respected and lauded shows on cable or television, period. All that being said, right now, I'm just watching silly shows and watching goofy shows. I think Ozark is kind of a goofy show. What's that? Malcolm in the Middle. My wife says, Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, we're revisiting Malcolm in the Middle. You know what's cool is to watch a half hour of Malcolm in the Middle, then an hour of Breaking Bad, then a half hour of Malcolm in the Middle, then an hour of Breaking Bad. You know, and you see uh, you see two Brian Cranston's. You see goofy Brian Cranston, and then you see Heisenberg. Goofy Brian Cranston, then Heisenberg. Sam McRae says, The Boys is an amazing dark telling uh, of a superhero uh, made by Seth Rogen. All right, all right, fine. You know what? I might check that out. Like I said, I'm I'm mostly looking for lighthearted stuff to look at. If I want to look at heavy duty stuff right now, I just have to go over to the cable channels. We all know what's going on. And we all know what we've got to do because of what's going on. And we're all doing what we have to do because of what's going on, okay? And in some ways, our lives have changed. In some ways, they haven't. You know, there's big chunks of time. Like today on Saturday, this was kind of what a Saturday was to me. You know, kind of a a little bit of a kickback here at the house. You know, it's a little quieter around uh, here in the neighborhood on Saturday. So this was not a lot different than a lot of other Saturdays I have experienced while living in this uh, little town that I've come to love very much, Maricopa, Arizona and lo- uh, learn to love the people in it. Uh, Jim Lacey says, Malcolm in the Middle, ahead of its time, awesome series, definitely. And Jim, that's currently uh, my wife's favorite show. Uh, I'll hear her in the other room just laughing like hell at it. Uh, Jim Perry says, uh, we also just finished the Harry Potter series with the kids this morning. My eyes are bleeding at this point, LOL. Yeah, yeah, you're doing the TV thing heavy duty, Jim. Um, Brian Horan says, the West Wing is still on Netflix. A lot of good stuff out there. Okay, but I'm mainly looking for light-hearted stuff to look at because then everything else is so kind of uh, kind of serious right now, kind of serious. So uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping to show. Be if you got, if you could see the YouTube shot right now, you can actually see. We well, can't see four bobbleheads because um, I can't get them lined up there. You can see four bobblehead heads. Uh, Dees, uh, Dees, I always mispronounce your name. D. D. Sumala says uh, is me watching you part of a series. We need you to, yeah, this is now part of a series. Every day, seven days a week, 2 p.m., living on a thin line. Then Saturday nights, what I'm calling the comedy jubilee, and I'm going to have to uh, format the Saturday night show a little bit better so it lives up to its name. Um, then uh, we're doing that every day at 2 p.m., and then every Saturday at 7 p.m. Uh, Sam McCurry says, Anne Frank was in her attic for 700-plus days, heading for her life. All we have to do is stay home. That's absolutely true. You're absolutely right. Um, you know what? I'm gonna tell you a joke. I'm gonna tell you a joke, joke. Okay? And I might screw it up, but um, it's a pretty good joke. And what happened was the other day, my friend Rich Scheidner, who uh, is a comic extraordinaire, and was um, um, and was and still is like a big brother to me for oh so many years, uh, got me some of my first gigs. Uh, we kind of raised our families together, uh, raised our kids together. They didn't live far from me. Had a daughter the exact same age as my daughter. Um, I, he just put up a punchline, and so many people uh, recognized it. So I'm going to tell you the joke. It's a goofy-ass joke, and here it is. There's two explorers on an unknown continent, all right? And all of a sudden, they find themselves surrounded by the indigenous tribesmen of the jungle that they're in. And they're taken captive. And they're both tied to trees. And then finally, finally, the leader of the tribe walks up, and inexplicably in this joke, the leader of a tribe that uh, has never left that particular rainforest or jungle can speak English, looks at both of them and goes, you have two choices, death or chi-chi. And they kind of look at each other. And the guy says it again, you have one of two choices. Death, our Chi-Chi. And the one guy goes, all right, uh, I'll, uh, I'll take Chi-Chi. They untie the guy from the tree, and they tie him over a rock, pull his pants down, and everybody in the tribe, every single individual in the tribe, then uh, has their way with him. Anally rapes him over and over and over and over and over until he's a bloody mess. But then they let him go. Then they let him go, and He's free. He's free. They look at the other guy and go, your turn. Now it's your choice. Death or Chi-Chi. And the guy goes, all right, you know what? To hell with you. I say death. After seeing what had happened to his partner, had seen the unbearable torture that his friend had gone through, he decided that he was going to go out the honorable way. He goes, all right, I choose death. And the tribal leader goes, all right, fine. Death by Chi-Chi. So, <laughs> so uh, Shirley Shirley enjoyed the joke. Brian Arant said, Jesus, Tony. Uh Rob, Bob Rocky says, Tell us about Charles Nelson Riley. Uh you are uh, uh well that was, you know, it's just a silly ass joke. It's just a silly ass joke. So uh, um, I don't know Charles Nelson, Riley, Bob. uh, But he was a very funny guy, and I used to see him on game shows, and I enjoyed him very much. Uh, D. Samela says, the odd couple and I love Lucy as far as light shows to watch uh, and happy days. Yes, they are. Jim Lacey just laughed out loud. Ha, ha, ha. So uh, he liked the death by Chi-Chi joke. It's a joke joke, and I know a bunch of joke jokes, and I think throughout the days I'll be telling you I love joke jokes. And I love joke jokes because my father – was a supremely good joke joke teller. I think one of the reasons that I wanted to get into stand-up comedy is because some of the most positive responses my dad ever got in his life was when he was telling jokes. My dad was the youngest son of a uh, uh, of, uh, uh, a challenged family, um, you know, uh, uh, an impoverished uh, uh, depression, World War II family. He went through a lot of tough stuff uh, my, la- my dad's life was probably saved when he met my mom and then realized there was something more in life than uh, sticking up liquor stores. Um, and uh, he was the guy when uh, my uncles and my grandfathers and my adult cousins would all get together drinking beer. He was the guy that would tell um, that would tell jokes, you know, and people would just laugh like hell. To give you a picture of how I used to um, be able to uh, hear these jokes, when I was a little boy, up until I was about 10, uh, my family lived in Old North St. Louis. There, by the way, if, on Facebook, there's a guy named Nathan Jackson. That's an easy name for you guys to remember, remember, Nathan Jackson. And Nathan has become a St. Louis historian and takes countless pictures of all the beautiful old I always thought St. Louis was such a beautiful city. All the buildings, you could tell they were old. They were all from the 1800s uh brick buildings uh, mostly two-story brick buildings uh uh four family flats where it was like you know two downstairs and two upstairs uh all over that city so gorgeous to me all right and a young man named nate nathan jackson who lives in st louis has become a st louis historian takes pictures of all those buildings and it just fills my heart to be able to uh uh, look at those and i've I've talked with him a lot last time i was in st louis i wanted to get together with him we didn't have time Wish I would have made time now, but I will make time the next time. Uh, we lived in old North St. Louis. Uh, sticking up liquor stores, did I miss something about our family? Eh, there's probably a couple things, Lori, you didn't, you didn't know about uh, uh, my dad and your dad. Uh, uh, they, were, uh, they were wild boys. They were wild boys of the road in North St. Louis. They were wild young men. Um, they lived life to the fullest. They were uh, beer-drinking, working-class, inner-city guys, factory workers, furniture movers. You know, they smoked and drank and loved hard. You know, they were good men. Uh, They loved the St. Louis Cardinals and boxing. You know, and when people would get together at our house on 19th Street in a building that's now gone, it's a vacant lot, but I can see it like it was yesterday, a red brick four-family flat. Right, Uh, entryways, uh, there's four entryways downstairs, some of the lesser buildings, uh, the only way to enter the uh, upstairs was through uh, the backyard. But uh, if you looked at the building, then on the left, the door that was far to the left is how you came into our house. And what you walked into was uh, three rooms that were all the same size. The first one being a living room, and the living room had a very high ceiling. Okay, and it had two windows in it. There were huge, high arched windows. It also had a, uh, a chandelier, uh, not a real fancy crystal chandelier, but a chandelier. Um, so uh, that was there, and then uh, that was the living room. And there was a uh, port. There was a stove that had been placed in there. Uh, they had bricked up the fireplace. That room had originally had a, a real fireplace. They had bricked it up and put in a stove. That was the living room. Then in the middle was the bedroom where the entire family slept. I had a bed that was kind of shoved up against the wall. My two brothers had a bunk bed across from me, and my mom and dad's uh, bed down a little from that. And that's where the bathroom was. Okay, you got to remember these buildings. Originally, there were not uh, bathrooms. Uh, This was all retrofitted later on in the 1900s. These were homes, buildings built in the 1800s. And then the third room was the kitchen, okay, which also served as the dining room. All three rooms the same size. And in any family gathering, and then after that, a wooden uh, back porch, and then a brick uh, backyard, and then an alley. And um, you know what? I loved living there. I loved it. Um, All three rooms the same size, and in any family gathering, uh, it would end up with all the men in the living room, and all the women in the kitchen, okay, and all of us kids either playing out in the yard or playing in, the middle bedroom area playing with toys. But eventually the television was time to go to bed and there were giant sliding doors that would uh, separate the living room from the bedroom. Ancient sliding doors. Uh, but they didn't really block out sound. So um, outhouses, yes, almost all those buildings originally had outhouses. They didn't block out sound. And my dad and my uncles, including uh, Mimi and Lori's dad, uh, Jack, and uh, our grandfathers on both my mom and dad's side and aunts and uncle. And we, they'd all, all the men would sit around and drink beer and they would do, they talk about two things mainly. Boxing and baseball. Boxing and baseball. And uh, Lori says, yeah, she remembers Nani's house on Maiden Lane. There's my great-grandpa Hank. I'm going to write a story about Hank uh, this week and post it because we need to remember that there were Hanks in this world and that uh, it's, we can all become Hank as well because he was an incredible man, our great-grandfather. The men would sit in there and drink beer and talk uh, boxing and baseball, and the women would stand in the kitchen and talk about uh, which husband got laid off, uh, which one just got a job, and uh, how much they (laughs) drank. That's what I remember. But my dad would tell jokes. And God, was he a good joke teller. Man, was he a good joke teller. And uh, I would sit there with my ear pressed against the door, hoping nobody caught me because I crawled out of bed and listen, as my father told jokes, and that was one of the reasons I think I was so drawn to stand-up comedy when I was, because of the uh, positive vibes I saw my dad get when he was doing stand-up comedy, and uh, uh, it has been the same for me. Uh, I just want to check something out here before we move on. Uh, Mimi says, Crown Candy closed today. So Mimi, did it close just uh, during this uh, quarantine time, or are you saying that it, is, uh, it shut its doors for good? Uh, That place has been in business almost 100 years, so I'm not quite sure Uh, we'll get that information. If it has closed its doors for good, it is such a venerable uh, institution in North St. Louis. It is the place my mom and dad went on their first date, by the way. Uh, No matter, even when North St. Louis was vacated, and that's what happened in the 60s, just everybody moved out. Uh, Oh, Lori, just during the quarantine. All right, good, good. Uh, Crown Candy Kitchen it was always still an oasis. Even when it became a very high crime neighborhood, somehow the criminals went, don't mess with Crown Candy Kitchen. That kind of tells you something, doesn't it? When you have a high crime area, but some place is so venerated that even the. You show that of your we'll oh, you want to. You, you know what? Tonight, you want me to show that picture tonight? I could do it if you want to grab it. I don't want okay, tomorrow. I've got a, as a matter of fact. I get some. I get some. I'll start showing you some photos tomorrow. We got a great photo collection, and um, um, one of them is my mom and dad hold me when I was a little kid in North St. Louis. Um, not sure. 103 years. Yeah, it's been in business for 103. But that says something about something positive about human beings. Okay. Even when a place is a high crime area. There could be places where even uh, those people who are leading a life of crime go. That place is off limits. And Crown Candy Store was. And as soon as this quarantine is over, uh, I know people will be back down there on Saturday and Sunday afternoons eating a delicious malt or a bacon sandwich. Um, I feel good that I was able to take Shirley there to um, experience that place when I took her back to visit St. Louis. Uh, And my cousin Lori says we go there every few months still. Yeah, great Easter candy. Um... And uh, you can still order candy online at Crown's Candy Store. All right, change the topic here, and uh, we're going to let Sammy do the change. And the change is top five comedians of all time. And I'm going to click this to see who his top five are. And he's going George Carlin, Lenny Bruce, Robin Williams, Paul Mooney, Jerry Seinfeld, and then out of the top five, number six, Sammy J. This is a list that's given to us by Sammy J. His top five comedians are George Carlin, Lenny Bruce, Robin Williams, Paul Mooney, Jerry Seinfeld, and Sammy J. Now, I can say on this list, I have seen uh, live, perform live, uh, Robin Williams, Paul Mooney, Jerry Seinfeld, and Sammy J. I've seen all of them perform live, and not in like huge halls. I mean at like comedy clubs. I saw Jerry Seinfeld at the Melrose Improv. I saw Paul Mooney at the Comedy Store, Robin Williams at the Comedy Store, Uh, When he uh, in the 70s, the best kept secret in entertainment on the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles was a Monday night free improv show with an improv troupe inside um, the uh, uh, the main room at the comedy store. And it featured Ed Begley Jr., who I got to know later on in life and Robin Williams. And you could go for free. And man, oh, man, was that something to see. Uh, I saw Paul Mooney and and, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. uh, I saw at um, the Melrose Improv, Paul Mooney at the Comedy Store, Robin Williams at the Comedy Store, Sammy J on shows I produced, number six out of five here. And uh, uh, I never saw Lenny Bruce. Uh, He passed on, I believe, in 1967 when I was 12 and still living in Missouri. And uh, George Carlin, I never saw perform live. But George Carlin used to come into a bar where my brother Jerry and I worked called Jay Sloan's in West Hollywood. Pretty serious guy. A little guy. A little kind of white, tightly wound guy. A little guy. Pretty serious guy. Uh, And we'd come in and uh, I think there were free. Gosh, it seems like I would remember this. Oh, free popcorn. We had free popcorn at Jay Sloan's. We had a popcorn machine and uh, free popcorn and drink a beer and munch popcorn and like to talk maybe politics. So that's, that's Sammy's top five. Uh, Jim Lacey says, impossible to understand how a mind that magnificent and insightful would give it all up. My favorite of all time, R.I.P. Robin. Uh, Sam says he saw Paul Mooney at the Purple Onion. So that's the Purple Onion in San Francisco? Which is a God, you know. Uh, I talked to my friend, Kurt Matthews, uh, last night. Kurt, a friend of mine from uh, Old Comedy Road days, Kurt Matthews and I used to get booked on something called Tribble Runs. David Tribble is a marvelous man who um, kept many a comic going uh, either on their way up or on their way down or when they were on their way nowhere. Uh, By booking all these shows in the West and Pacific Northwest, you would literally work Cody, Wyoming one night and then be in Billings, Montana the next. Your entire day would be nothing but driving and then doing a show, sleeping, getting up, nothing but driving and doing a show. Kurt Matthews and I used to do a lot of those gigs. He now has something wonderful called the San Francisco Comedy College in San Francisco. They, of course, are on lockdown in San Francisco, as all of us are, but it's urban lockdown. So, you know, it's, it's apartment buildings on top of apartment buildings. Uh, he lives in San Francisco. I check on him. He's doing fine. You're doing fine. I'm doing fine. Shirley's doing fine. We're all going to do okay. And, man, when we pop out of this thing, we're going to go to work like motherfuckers, aren't we? We're going to do what we can have to do to keep home and hearth together through this difficult time. And when this is over, I don't care if the stock market has co- collapsed. I don't care what's going out of business. We will start new businesses. If I go out of business, I'll start a new business. And we will come out of this like champs because we're Americans and that's what we do. And uh, Kurt's keeping his business together through Zoom as I am as well. If you're interested in taking a comedy workshop uh, on Zoom and... Uh, I think it's a skill we all want to learn anyway because we want to learn how to be, uh, most comics know how to work in front of a live audience. That's how we learn. But more and more and more to reach an even wider audience. Uh, we're going to want to be able to, uh, the, other, the only other way to reach a wider audience was they have a television production company. They say, we're going to put you on our television show, which means you're putting your career in the hands of who? I don't know. You know, some people got enough money or got hired to produce television. We're going to learn how to do stand-up here. On social media. We don't want to make it effective on social media. Okay? Uh, so, but I just, what triggered that was when uh, Sammy said that he saw, um, when he saw uh, uh, Paul Mooney the Purple Onion, uh, I believe he must be talking about it in San Francisco. And my friend, Kurt Matthews, now owns the rights to the name, the Purple Onion. And the last time I was in San Francisco uh, with uh, uh, Travis Miner and Diane Miner, And Abhinav Goyle and uh, so many other great performers. We played at the Purple Onion at Kells in San Francisco. The Purple Onion currently resides in a uh, basement of an Irish pub in San Francisco. So cool that you saw him at the Purple Onion, Sammy. Uh, Sam says, what's Tony's top five? I don't know. You know, it's hard to say. For me, there are guys that I saw, much like music, okay, much like music, I was oftentimes not I was not a big fan of who was number one, but on the slightly different one. Sometimes the slightly different band then became, for instance, when I was a kid, I was a Grateful Dead fan. They were not the number one top pop rock and roll rock band of the 60s by a long shot, even out of San Francisco, uh, Quicksilver Messenger Service, and Jefferson Airplane, and even Big Brother and Holder Company, had bigger hits, because the uh, Grateful Dead never had a hit. But I was a f- always a fan of a little bit of the offbeat in music, in acting, and in comedy. So who are my favorites? Okay, this does not mean that they're the best. It means the ones that spoke to me, the ones that I loved. And for me, it was people that I saw live. And uh, seeing Robin, I never saw Robin do straight up, no, I did see Robin do straight up stand up once. And it, really, it was really quite stunning, but he was kind of fucking around on stage at the Melrose Improv working stuff out. Before I get to my top five, I want to read what uh, Jim Lacey wrote. He wrote, uh, I'm wanting to buy an awesome cabin in uh, Gila, New Mexico, and was on my way out to see it. But now New Mexico is on lockdown. To their credit, the sellers gave me, uh, in writing, the rights of first refusal once CV19, uh, CV19, I can't read the rest of it, gives us a rest. Kelly Wilson says Red Fox and Stephen Wright are his two favorites. Jim Lacey says, uh, Zappa right up there. Yeah, with offbeat groups, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, we talked about uh, the band a little, little Feet yesterday a little bit. And some of the members of Little Feet at one time were session musicians working with Zappa. Uh, Zappa had that incredible home in Laurel Canyon that became an incubator for uh, so many of the great 60s uh, uh, music stars. My top favorite comedians, uh, as far as who I saw live, uh, I'm going to name three. Right now, and this is something for you guys that you can go and check out. Okay? Because you can find their specials or their or clips of their, their television appearances on a YouTube. And uh, here they are uh, Bill Hicks, without a doubt, Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks, Bill Hicks, Bill Hicks. And now, in all fairness, the ones I'm going to mention, the majority of them uh, had become personal friends of mine at one point. So maybe there's a, but they became personal friends of mine because it was stunning to watch them on stage and I wanted to get to know them. Uh, Bill Hicks, who uh, a lot of people say was the last great stand-up in America. I don't like saying that because that is to put down a lot of other great stand-ups that have come on since. But if there ever was uh, someone who uh, was carrying the mantle of what Lenny Bruce created, which was someone holding up a mirror to society, it was Bill Hicks. Uh, Rich Jenny, uh, a stunning and sweet guy who talked down a side of his mouth like this. Visit here's how you write a good joke. Uh If you ever get a chance, if you want to watch a quick and facile mind who could take uh, any joke or idea and just open it up and open it up and open it up, you want to check out Rich Jenny, J-E-N-I. And of course, my dear and wonderful friend, Rich Scheidner, who was uh, at one time was called the uh, Grateful Dead of stand-up comedy because he could go on stage every night for five nights in a comedy club, do an hour and a half of solid material and never repeat himself one of the Nights. And uh, a stunning writer, a guy who inspired so many other comics, many of who went on to uh, become more well-known than him. So I'm just giving you three tonight. And, and the reason I'm giving you these three, so we all, and you know what, and you're right, Red Fox, oh, funny. And I saw Red Fox Live. Uh, Steven Wright, I talked to uh, quite a while one time out in front of the Melrose Improv, okay? Both stunningly good comics. Uh, and then with uh, Sammy's Top 5, I'm trying to get back to it here, uh, Jerry Vizick said, oh, I missed Jerry's thing here. George Carlin was my regular Jay Sloan's. That's right. My brother Jerry, when he was a bartender at Sloan's, uh, uh, a lot of celebrities came into that bar. There was a, an agency nearby, the Pacific Design Center, a very she-she haircutting place. Uh, and a lot of those guys got to like Jerry because Jerry was one of the few pe- people in L.A. that didn't want to be, uh, or in Hollywood, who did not want to be an actor or a musician or a writer or a screenwriter. Jerry just moved to LA to have some fun. He was an artist. So these guys knew they could talk to him and that he would have no, um, uh, there would be no uh, subterfuge, that he wasn't trying to get something from him. So Jerry used to come home from work, go yeah, I was just shooting a breeze with George Carlin. We're talking politics. Um, Yeah, so I'm gonna get Jerry to tell us some of those stories here on Facebook sometime very soon. And I have a great, 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 great Martin Sheen story involved in Jerry Visick, that I'm going to tell you next Saturday night. Next Saturday night. My brother, Martin Sheen, late morning, hung over West Hollywood, and my brother Jerry encountering Martin Sheen in the bar we work. I'm going to tell that story next week. Um, So what I'm saying with these top fives and stuff, yeah, I agree with them. These are all great comics. All great comics. But um, I'm kind of dedicating this show to either... uh, putting an, an idea back in your head like I am with the albums, you know, saying, hey, man, uh, let's go back and listen to Jethro Tull. Or if you never listened to Jethro Tull, go try and listen to Jethro Tull. Or let's go back and listen to uh, uh, Iron Butterfly, see how long we can last <laughs> through this 17-minute uh, song, okay? And uh, I'm telling you right now about three great comics that you could check out on YouTube for free. And uh, might be whatever gets you through the night, and that just might be it. And they are... Bill Hicks, H-I-C-K-S, Rich Jenny, J-E-N-I, and Rich Scheidner, S-H-Y-D-N-E-R. Check those out. Uh, Brian says, uh, we have artist kids in the house who need to meet Jerry. Yeah, you know what? A lot of us who, have, I'm gonna meet Jim Lacey in person when this is all over, okay? Uh, Trey Goodman is watching. Uh, Sam says Ollie Joe Prater met Ollie Joe. Ali Joe was the most honest um, joke thief in America. Ali Joe used to—he'd be working some club, and there'd be comics that were going up before him, and they were new or not very good. They come up, and Ali go, "Hey, that one joke you told us is a good joke. I'm going to tell it. People need to hear that joke." That was a story in Ali Joe. But Ali Joe weighed about 500 pounds, and was one of the great pure storyteller joke tellers of the modern era. I worked with Ali Joe in Las Vegas on a show. It was the one-year anniversary of a club called the Comedy Stop at the Tropicana. Um, I don't know how I got on that bill, but it was Ali Joe Prater. It was me. It was Rip Taylor. It was uh, Rosie uh, uh, Rosie O'Donnell uh, and uh, Margaret Smith. Uh, oh, and Drew Carey. We were the comics that were on that show, and that was a hell of a show. Hey, Trey Goodman. Trey Goodman will be uh, is the um, director, television director for um, uh, Sunday morning church services that are aired on um, AZTV in Arizona and also on YouTube. Trey, if you want to put up here what the link is, if people want to uh, attend a church service online tomorrow, uh, how they'll be able to do that if you want to. So Trey's here, a uh, director extraordinaire. Uh, we got a pinky swear. He has a, a, a sitcom idea that he's putting together that we're going to make that show when this is over. Jim Lazy says no. No, none of your favorite three just got something new to do <coughs> during, uh, during the shutter. Yeah. So check out those three. Guys, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. This was an experiment for a Saturday night show to give you something to do on Saturday night. to Give us something to do on Saturday night. You stay happy. You stay healthy. Okay. You keep home and hearth together. Okay. And very soon when this is all over, uh, even though we're all together now, we're all going to be together again, okay? We'll all be together very, very soon. So, uh, And remember, a day at a time. Yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery. Let's just take care of today, and then the day will take care of itself. It'll be what it's supposed to be. All right, far my producer, who just happens to be my wife, who I love very much, Shirley Lowvisic, and for my crew, which consists of my dog Roscoe and my dog Chica, I want to bid you adieu, our first, but now every Saturday night at 7 p.m., a show of living on a thin line comedy jubilee special my name's tony visick and i'll see you tomorrow here at 2 p.m bye bye <laughs> and as always if you're on youtube you're still getting uh...